copywriting. It's on landing pages, ads, social media posts, and more. Cash is the lifeblood of a business. Then the heart of marketing is copywriting. Get it right and you have a higher chance of grabbing people's attention and turning them into customers. Today, we'll be digging into Jerry Moser's three-part copywriting framework that's helped him grow his Twitter followers from 300 to 90,000 in eight months. Also made him millions of dollars for his clients at usurp.io and it's helped him become one of Forbes 30 under 30 in marketing and advertising. In this Marketing Pops episode, you learn first, why copywriting is one of the most potent power-ups for marketers. Second, Jeremy's three-part copywriting framework. Third, how Jeremy applies this framework to his tweets. And number four, how marketers can find mentors to help them accelerate their career. For each episode, I create a power-ups cheat sheet you can use to download, fill in, and apply the marketing concept to your business right away. Go to marketingpowerups.com to get those right now. Are you ready? Let's go. Marketing power-ups. Ready? Go! Here's your host, Rambly John. Let's talk about marketing power-ups. And one of the things that you have done such a great job on Twitter is writing threads and tweets, especially you know, some of your most popular uh, tweets and threads are about copywriting. Why is, for you, why is copywriting such a huge power-up for marketers who are tuning in? Like, why is this so important? I know it's, it's obvious to some marketers, but for others, like, what is, why, why, why copywriting? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good question. You know, it goes back to really what what is the definition of copywriting and, and how can you use that in sort of different fields that you're working within? So copywriting, you really want to think of it as just written words that are meant to drive a specific outcome. So really, that could be anything from the more salesy perspective of you're writing a really long form landing page that you're, you know, you're trying to convince someone to buy something that's relevant to them. Or it could even be a simple email, right, that you're sending to someone for marketing purposes. Maybe it's simple email marketing or even just a singular tweet is copywriting, right? Like your goal there is to drive a certain outcome or a certain action from the individual that's reading it. So in the case of like social media or Twitter or anything like that, your goal there maybe is for someone to respond or reply, or maybe it's for them to DM you, or maybe it's for them to just like the tweet and retweet it. So all these sort of little ways that you're phrasing things and, and you know structuring things for their perspective are really key to driving results and outcomes. And so copywriting is just a really a key thing to know across any sort of marketing sphere. Even if you're not even directly related to marketing in your role, maybe it's more communications-based or PR-based, everything you're doing from a written standpoint is really with the goal of advancing a conversation or getting someone to do an outcome that you're looking for. And so knowing copywriting and learning how to utilize it in, in the tools and trades that you're working within are just really key for uh, you know, advancing what you're looking to do, your agendas, how you want to structure your marketing, what actions you want people to take. And so I think learning copywriting, even if it's from the ground up, is just a key skill that you can adapt and apply to a lot of stuff that you do in marketing as a whole. When you were speaking around, like, you know, copywriting is to drive people to action. That's really at the heart of marketing, right? We, yeah. want, we want them to take action. You know, we just, we want to entertain them. We want to educate them. But at the end of the day, the next step is take action, whether that's, you know, to like something or to sign up or do something else. That's what you're getting at there is that it's at the heart of marketing, trying to get people to act and copywriting is what we have as a tool. 
not we don't we don't pick up the phone and call people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's been a, it's not a new concept, right? You know, copywriting has been around for ever since the written word, and and so the idea is really just how do you adapt that to modern marketing mixes that you're doing, and really how do you tune that writing and that copywriting for a different audience or a different style, a different stage of the buying journey. Mm. Um, that'll all come into play of of what tools you use in the marketing mix and and how you phrase your copywriting, what kind of frameworks you use within it. One of the other things I heard was you know copywriting for email. It, it appears on landing pages on social. Would you say that those you know copywriting for landing pages is totally different from like let's say not necessarily totally different, but different than let's say copywriting for tweets? Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely key differences there. Like for example, all use different frameworks um, and sort of baseline. Uh, goals, obviously, for those landing pages versus tweets. So if it's more of a generalized tweet, maybe I'm really looking to drive action on like replies and engagement. Maybe I'm looking to get people within a certain audience or ideal customer profile to respond to me, start a conversation. Maybe that's taking it to the DMs after. And so really, you know, the goals there are a little more based on top of the funnel and awareness. Like what is some sort of topic that I want to focus on and how do I get people to respond within that? So maybe that's around like a cool framework I used, or maybe it's around tactics and, and real world results. Maybe it's around asking them a specific question or sparking more discussion on something. Whereas maybe a landing page, my goal there is almost certainly to drive some sort of conversion action. So depending on what stage of the funnel I'm in, sort of if I'm, you know, if this landing page is more for a soft CTA, like getting an email sign up, my copywriting is going to be a little more geared towards maybe learning or how they can fill in gaps in their own knowledge. Whereas if my landing page is a little more directed towards, you know, getting someone to actually buy something from me, my copywriting there is going to look really different. It's going to be more on pain points, on agitating those pain points, and then providing them a potential solution there that fits with their goals. So you can utilize all sorts of cool different copywriting frameworks based on really what platform you're on, who you're talking to, and all these kind of various factors. That makes I love how you're adapting it for like the audience and what stage of the funnel. So it really isn't a you know one size fits all approach, but I want to zone in on one of the the tweets that you shared around great marketing copy has three elements. You mentioned that it has hook, lesson, and emotion. Can you talk a little bit about this formula? How you came across it? Is it from somewhere else that you've seen, or is it like something that you saw over and over again as a pattern that works well? Uh, maybe on Twitter and landing pages or other places. Yeah, absolutely. This is one framework I've used for a long, long time. I haven't seen it necessarily anywhere, but I've probably piecemealed it over time from like different areas. Um, the hook is definitely a key factor and, and we're really seeing this become even more important as there's just more noise on social channels, especially. There's more noise everywhere, right? From from basic things like Twitter. You know, when you scroll your timeline, there's all these threads and all these things from different creators and everything's super noisy. When you look at things like LinkedIn, your DM inbox is filled with sales pitches that are like, hey, let's jump on a 30-minute call. No one wants to get on those calls. So you really need to rethink you know, how you're going about your copywriting as a whole. And I think this framework of hook, lesson, emotion is a really good way to do that. So the hook is really meant for you to grab attention from a very specific audience. So think through what is your audience? What's your ideal customer? And again, think with the end in mind is really key when starting with whatever copy you're writing. So what's the end goal that you want a specific audience group to take uh, once they finish reading this, right? And so that'll obviously dictate everything you're doing in the hook. So let's say you're trying to maybe educate uh, a consumer base, super top of the funnel. You're just trying to get people engaged with maybe SEO as a whole. How do I do you know, content distribution with an SEO framework in mind? 
So your hook there might be a little bit more on, okay, here's what I did for a hundred different companies. Here's how you can, you know, get started with that process. So your hook there is really showcasing experience. It's showcasing how they can get started. So again, you're tailoring that hook really specifically to a given audience and you're grabbing their attention quick. So if you can use things like numbers, real world actionable advice, data, things that you've actually implemented. So please don't use any like fake statistics. I know we've been seeing that on, on Twitter a bunch. So try to use real world data there. Um, that's just going to give your argument much more credence and value down the line, obviously. Uh, and then within the lesson portion, another thing we're really seeing that's key with copywriting is, is what can you teach someone, right? So if you're giving this amazing hook, you obviously want to be able to deliver on that. Otherwise, you're just clickbaiting people. And so the lesson portion there is, is really what can you teach someone for free? What can you educate them on? How can you build that trust long term? And a lot of that trust today is built by providing really valuable free information. And a lot of people get a little bit too concerned with the idea of giving information away for free. Um, but if you look online, you know, all the keys to success in business, marketing, whatever you're doing are really available for free online or in books, YouTube videos, whatever it is, right? And we find that a lot of people don't necessarily take action on that. So I wouldn't be super worried about giving away a lot of information for free. Um, I think the goodwill that you get from giving away that free information down the line is going to compound really quickly. So within that lesson portion of the framework there, really just think through like, what can I teach this group? What can I teach this audience? What are they going to benefit from this? And really give them something that's actually valuable and not super surface level. And then the last kind of key component there uh, for long-term success is really around emotion. So how can you actually connect with people beyond like, sharing, you know, surface level tweets or whatever it is, like, how do you actually build a deeper relationship with someone? How do you get them to stick around and come back for more? And usually that comes from some sort of emotion, whether that's a storytelling aspect to it, that you're sharing like your journey, you're sharing a customer journey, something that brings them into a little bit more than just seeing you as a source of information, but seeing you as kind of a trusted ally. So that's usually what I like to think of as the emotion standpoint is it could be as simple as a really quick story or it could be as detailed as, you know, a really big customer case study, depending on sort of what stage you're looking at. What's fascinating is I find that this is like how friendships naturally evolve. First, you you hook, not necessarily hook them, but, you know, you <laughs> have common interests totally. where you talk about, you know, marketing or rock climbing or something like that. Yeah. And uh, as you progress, you teach, start learning from each other. And then the last is like connect on an, an emotional level. So... Is, is that was that deliberate? Like it seems like this is the how you would lay out like building a relationship with with a real like a in 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 person friendship or even an online friendship. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the best some of the best copywriting is really just touching on actual relationships, actual conversations that you have in real life, right? I think that's really the basis for the best copywriting is stuff that feels natural to you. Uh, so when you read, you go on a site or maybe it's a landing page. You know, you jump on and you see an email that comes through. The most unnatural stuff where they're using language that just doesn't apply or they're using stuff that's like clearly overly promotional or like implied scarcity that is just like seems unrealistic. Like a lot of this stuff is uh, things that maybe used to work, but don't work now. And really people are going back to the fundamentals of, is this like a real thing I can trust? Is it a person that I actually like engaging with? Do I believe their story? Like, are these real conversations that I'd have with them in real life? Um, and I think this this framework here really, you know, mirrors that essentially and, and shows you that just a real normal conversation with another human and seeing, can I actually help this person and what value do I have to provide to them 
really gets you so much further than trying to use gimmicks or tactics. One of your most popular tweets has over 2,200 likes. Uh, it's this tweet here that says, copywriting tip, if you wouldn't use a phrase in real conversations, don't use it in your marketing copy. I feel like this encapsulates a lot of the things that you mentioned in that frame. Can you talk a little bit about this tweet and why you know it, it performs so well uh, as you as you break it down? Yeah, absolutely. I think what we're seeing now, especially you know, I I mostly hang out in like B two B SaaS sectors, and so you mm -hmm. tend to see really cheesy copywriting around like how do I supercharge things or how do I you know all these like these buzzwords that just really don't mean anything. Like you'll go on a landing page, you'll read the headline. You have no clue what the company actually does and what value they can provide to you. And it's only until you read like further down the page that you actually understand what they do. And so I think this is where that tweet really stemmed from is that, you know, if you're not using these actual words in real conversations with your customers, with your team, with people that have actually used the product, then you should not be using them to market to your own potential, you know, ideal customer profile. So it really goes back to, talk more to your audience, talk more with your existing customers, learn how they actually use and describe your product, talk to your own product development or even your sales team really and see what is the main reason people are signing up with us? What's the main reason people are staying long-term and use those actual conversations. So if you can, you know, if you do have customers currently, if you can get on the phone with them, get their permission, record those calls, really use a lot of their actual phrasing in the, the copywriting that you're doing. It's going to just improve your conversion rates that much more. And you're really going to be able to speak to actual people that have used your mm -hmm. tool, service, whatever offer you have to solve a given problem versus kind of just throwing out these buzzwords that sound good on paper, but people read them and they don't actually know what's going on. I really love how you you brought that up. You know, I see words like all in one or number one tool yeah. in, in the world and we see in B2B a lot. What, what else I like about this tweet is that it has that three I feel like it has that three things that you mentioned. It has the hook, you know, it has this spicy take, uh, spicy point of view that, you know, if you're not going to use it in real conversation, don't use it in your marketing copy. I think the second is lesson. Like you're actually teaching something here. Like you're, you know, people are like, this is actually applicable. You, I can take action right now. It's like, yeah. read it out loud. If it's not something you'll say in real conversation, don't put it in your copy. And I feel like the word real conversation is very emotional because now I'm thinking about, you know, having two people conversing and on an emotional level there's uh people have come hopefully have had conversation in their life uh yeah. whether that's with their family or friends so it does have all three elements uh, even if it's just one sentence which is interesting completely yeah absolutely i think that initial framework is is really the basis for some of the best copywriting that i've done that i've seen in the mm. marketplace um so really like you mentioned too it doesn't have to be this massive string of copyright copywriting can mm. be a single well-done sentence, it can be a single phrase, it can be in conversation, it can be really natural within an email. It's just these small little things in the way that you structure them that can make the biggest difference overall. Before we continue, I want to thank the sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. When you're in scale-up mode, you have to hit your KPIs. The pressure is on to deliver demos and signups. It's a lot to handle. Demand gen, ABM, email sequences, revenue ops, and more. That's where 42 Agency, founded by my good friend, Camille Rexton, can help you. They're a strategic partner that's helped B2B SaaS companies like ProfitWell, Teamwork, Sprout Social, and HubDoc build a predictable revenue engine. If you're looking for performance experts and creatives to solve your hardest marketing problems at a fraction of the cost of in-house, 
look no further. Go to 42 Agency, that's number 42agency.com to talk to a strategist to learn how you can build a high efficiency revenue engine now. Find that link in the description or show notes. Well, that's all for now. Let's jump back into this episode. I want to shift gears now and talk about career. You have been in marketing for over 10 years. And I'm guessing there, there are some lessons, there's some tips that you have. I call them power up. What is some power up that you have that's helped you in your career over the last uh, 10 years that you've been in marketing? Yeah, absolutely. I think from a career standpoint, you know, the biggest power up and, and thing that I've found really is look at people that are just a bit ahead of you and really study what they're doing. So find people that, you know, someone that's right now doing what you want to do in the near or longer term future and really try to learn and study from them. People are super open nowadays with the content they share online, which is amazing, right? So you can listen to podcasts from people that are doing, let's say they're, they're started a company in this given space that you want to get into. You can listen to podcasts from them, see what they're doing, what's worked for them, understand more about their approach and their process, their analysis. I think the biggest level up for your own marketing career, for just a career as a whole, really is identifying those folks in your space that are inspiring to you and really understanding what decisions they've made along the way. I think that's been a really key thing for me, especially in growing Usurp as a company. Um, you know, we're at, I think, around 40 people right now um, and growing really rapidly. And the biggest things for me have just been identifying who are some great leaders in this marketing agency SaaS space as a whole um, and really just connecting with them, seeing if I can learn directly from them. Are they in some sort of mastermind that I can join? Do they have free podcast content? Do they post a lot on social media? What can I learn from them? That's been a really key factor for me. And, you know, even starting in my career, um, you know, one of the, the biggest roles before this was working in a specific B2B SaaS content marketing agency before starting my own thing. And so learning directly from the ground up, from people that you are inspired by that are doing what you sort of want to do. I think is the biggest career hack of all because again you're getting paid to to learn right you're you're getting paid by them to make the mistakes rather than just jumping straight into something on your own and sort of you know learning those lessons the hard way so to speak where maybe it's financial maybe it's emotional whatever it is and i i didn't have this in the, in the list of questions i wanted to ask but i'm curious who who has inspired you i mean maybe it's somebody you're looking up to right now uh, or a company or agency that you're looking up to or it could be somebody in the past where like oh i want to do Want to do that? Like, who are who who are your inspiration? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good question. So I'm specifically, you know, in the agency kind of consulting space as a whole. Um, and so the biggest folks that I look up to right now would be the team at Client Boost would be one of them. Mm, so Boost, yeah. I've known Jonathan for a bit. We've connected a few times at different conferences. He's uh, I don't think he's their CEO anymore, but founder of Client Boost, uh, pretty large agency. I think based out of Southern California. Um, I think maybe they're at around 100 team members or something like that. So they're a significant size, doing a lot of cool work across different spaces and niches. Um, they've really nailed a lot of the branding aspect of an agency. Agencies and like consulting firms, services firms are traditionally really hard to brand and like make people recognize you in that space. People really don't care that much about like an agency brand. They really care about sort of the founders and who they're working with um, and trusting that this person has done these things. They've clearly demonstrated results for other companies. Whereas like you'll see SaaS brands, like maybe it's Notion, maybe it's Copy AI, whatever it is, people really like associating with those brands. Uh, the agency space is quite different, whereas people are not super excited about the brand itself. And I think Client Boost has done 
uh, a really good job at like differentiating themselves in that sense where they're an agency you kind of recognize by their brand, their style, their design. It's all really unique and done very well. Um, another one I really admire is Directive Consulting. Um, so they're a consulting firm that does stuff uh, kind of holistically in marketing, demand gen, all these kind of cool spaces. Um, and I think Garrett has done a really good job of leading with free. Um, so that's something I touched on a little earlier in this podcast. Something that I really enjoy is is leading with a ton of free content um, and really just building that goodwill over time. Um, so really understanding that you know most people are going to see your content. Many of them are not going to take action. The few of them that do are going to realize that, hey, they might need you actually to implement a lot of this since you have that deep experience. It's much more difficult than what the you know what meets the eye on the surface. So I think don't be afraid to share your free content is is a big lesson that I've learned from him. I think those two agencies are are really good models, at least for me, that have been kind of good sources of inspiration as a whole. One other question I have, and it could be around career or marketing, is if you can give yourself uh, your younger self uh, a marketing advice or a career advice. Uh, I'm curious what that advice you'd give your your the Jeremy from. 10 years ago, when you were just starting out in your career, what would be that uh, one or two pieces of advice that you'd want to share to that person? Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest piece of advice I'd share is just to say yes to more opportunities. So whether that's like in your, you know, when you're starting out earlier on, you want to say yes to as many things as possible. When you get further along in your career, that flips and you want to say no to as many things as possible and you really want to dial in that focus. But when you're early on, you might not even know really what specific field you want to be in. You might have a general baseline idea. You might have tested a few things, but you really don't know for sure yet until you spend years and years actually working on some of this stuff. Um, so I think saying yes early on to new things, that's one thing that really opened up doors for me was that um, you know, when you start to say yes, people start to give you more opportunities. You start to expand your uh, what's called like surface area for luck, essentially, right? Yeah, so like you're you're really just building up how much people are going to send to you, how much they're going to trust you. It's like, uh, you know, in personal relationships, right? If you, if someone comes to you and they invite you to something and you say no multiple times, the odds that they're going to invite you consistently again is super low, right? They're just going to assume, okay, they're not interested. No worries. Like, let me just share this with someone else. And it's the same thing applies in work, right? So if you're doing something at a career and someone offers you, hey, here's a cool thing that you can, you know, this is a next step. Do you want to try this route? Do you want to try something new? Uh, I always bias to saying yes and really just opening your doors for opportunities. Because again, once you say yes to that, the floodgates open, you start to get a lot more opportunities in different areas. And again, you also get to see what you like and you don't like, so you can refine that over time. So I think that's the number one piece of advice I'd give myself too. And it's something that I found true for myself is that just say yes to more stuff. Like I had uh, previous bosses who did that and offered me awesome opportunities and uh, obviously, some of those are nerve-wracking and you know challenging, but uh, being able to say yes and just dive headfirst into those really just opens the doors for everything else. I totally love that. I think that reminds me of that comedy principle around saying yes, yes, and and even if it's scary, I feel like that's a super important thing that people often think about. Is like, oh, imposter syndrome is bad, but saying yes to something that you haven't done before because you want that bigger opportunity. You'll feel the imposter syndrome, and is that sure. something that you have felt, uh, you know, throughout your career, saying yes to multiple things, especially early on? Yeah, completely. And I, I think I don't think it goes away. You know, I still feel it on a daily basis of like 
you know, there's people out there obviously doing way better than me in the agency space. So whenever I share something, I'm like, oh, maybe this isn't worth sharing. Like maybe I don't have the, you know, the, the good enough knowledge yet on this subject. So I think it really never goes away. There's always someone out there that's going to be doing better than you. That's just really a fact of life. Something you have to just get over and ignore in that like your advice at any stage is helpful to someone at a stage below you. Um, and taking, like, if you think about it that way, taking advice now, if you're just starting out in e-commerce, going to Jeff Bezos and asking him on advice around e-commerce and Amazon, it's going to be way, way too high level for right. you. It's going to be yeah. way over your head. It's going to be too much information at once. So I think you have to look at it that way of, you know, there's, there's rungs to the ladder and you're just moving up, you're climbing your way up. And at each one of those stages, you have valuable information to provide to someone else that's coming behind you and trying to do something similar. And so I think, you know, even if that imposter syndrome sets in, you've probably accomplished a lot more than you realize from the surface. And so sharing that information with someone else uh, can also obviously inspire them to take that leap to start sharing that for, for their audience too. The other thing that I heard that you said that is super important is for people to take action. I think when, when I love how you say, if you're going to, if you ask Jeff Bezos, like, how, how did, how do I become you? I would feel be crippled with with uh, anxiety, like you know, Jeff Bezos is a billionaire. I'll never be. I'm yeah. just gonna quit. But you're talked about like climbing up the, you know, just climbing up the ladder and make, you know, saying yes and putting your foot forward will get you to where you want to be. Uh, yeah, I think if you zoom in too, one more thing to add there. I think if you zoom in instead of zooming out on your goals, it's really helpful to just understand and give you that focus, right? Like if you zoom out mm. at a super high level and you say, I need a hit or I want a hit. 10 million in revenue this year. It's like, well, that's a really lofty goal. And it's like, when you zoom out, that starts to become super overwhelming. And you get sort of that paralysis analysis where you're, or analysis paralysis where you're, you're, you know, you have so many things going on and so many inputs that are required to hit that, that you start to get demotivated. Uh, you start to procrastinate a bit. So if you just zoom in actually, and you say, okay, here's the next actual step to take to get there. And you just check that off one by one. Um, I think that's really impactful for your career long term. I love this copywriting framework from Jeremy. I hope you loved it as much as I do. You can find out more about Jeremy on Twitter, jmoser with a double R and usurp.io. You can find those links in the description and show notes. Thanks to Jeremy for being on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, you'd love the marketing power-ups newsletter that I send out each week. I share the actionable takeaways and break down the frameworks of world-class marketers from each episode. You can go to marketingpowerups.com to subscribe and you'll instantly unlock the five best marketing frameworks that top marketers use to hit their KPS consistently and wow their colleagues. If you want to say thank you, please like and follow Marketing Power Ups on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. If you're feeling extra generous, kindly leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a comment on YouTube. It goes a long way for others finding out about Marketing Power Ups. Thank you to Mary Salden for creating the artwork and design. Thanks to 42 Agency for sponsoring this episode. And of course, thank you for listening and tuning in. Well, that's all for now. This is your host, Ramley John. Until the next episode, have a powered up day. Bye. Marketing power-ups. Until the next episode. <laughs>